This is going to be like a real, the real deal message here. Um, the last two months of my life have been incredibly difficult. Um, this, the notes used to say December was hard. And then I had to cross that out and say the last two months because then January just kept the train going. Um, starting on December 1st, each of my kids got sick. Um, my son and then my daughter and then my baby daughter, and then the week before Christmas, I got the flu. And so I was just laid in bed for four or five days. Um, I have this super fancy, cool wooden Advent wreath, and we're supposed to read through the Advent book with the kids and move the little guy along and all that. Not one day of Advent got done. I did, in between the kids being sick, I did some Christmas baking And three out of the four boxes just dried out on my counter because I couldn't get it to neighbors because I was too sick. Everybody was sick, so it just all, it just dried out and I had to throw it away. Um, Because I was in bed all those days, um, I didn't get any of the Christmas stuff done, wrapping, things like that. And then I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to go to Christmas Eve where my whole family goes because I was sore and achy and who wants sore and achy, sick Kim with the flu coming to Christmas, you know, right before you're going to travel and everything. Um, so I made it to Christmas Eve, and I was feeling better, and Christmas Day, we fly to Canada. We actually flew to Seattle, spent the night at a hotel, and then went to Canada to spend several days with Darren's parents. So I'm still kind of recovering from December. I haven't had a break, you know, when your kids are sick and everything. I haven't been able to, like, breathe. So we rented a house in Port Moody, and it was like this was going to be kind of our retreat. When we weren't with the family, we were going to go stay at this house. We go to the house. There's a wall of books on one of the floors. And it was like, oh, they have an extensive library. I start looking at it. Demonology. Awesome. Okay. Demonology. Um, uh, the occult and witchcraft and how to get more power. Telecult, I think, was the name of another one. Um, runes and the power of magic and things like that. These books are there. Then there's a whole bunch of really dark horror books there. And then my 11-year-old says, Mom, there's a really inappropriate book here. Oh, just sex history, you know, illustrated, right? I'm like, okay. And then there is a book called Private Parts that is all about men's private parts. These are the books in this house that is our retreat, right? So I start pulling books because it literally took up a wall. So I'm pulling books because I believe there's spirits attached to these types of books, these types of things. And so I'm pulling books, I'm pulling books, and then I just prayed and I put them in our closet in our bedroom. Well, that night, I have dreams where I'm frantically looking for pornography on the internet. I just can't. And so it's like, dang it. Okay, so I had to take the books because, again, there are spirits attached to these things. I put them in an unused room downstairs, anointed the doors with the only oil I could find, which was avocado oil. But the Holy Spirit is no respecter of oils, and he will infuse whatever you're using. And I anointed the doors and forbid anything from just touching us and messing with us and... So there were no more dreams, and the kids slept great, but that whole week, it just did not feel peaceful. The whole week was a big stress bomb. So our little haven, just, I didn't sleep well. It was just not, it was not, uh, it was not what I thought it was going to be. So we come back on January 2nd, and I'm like at a negative 10. 
right? I am just completely depleted and then some. And since we left Christmas Day, which I don't recommend, our house was like Christmas explosion. So we come back, and there's Christmas everywhere, like because we unwrapped presents and everything. Um, and I'm unloading like literally seven duffel bags from the car, or while well, my husband's unloading seven duffel bags from the car. And then the laundry dance begins from your vacation, where you then do laundry for the next, you know, 10 days, 24-7, to clean up for it. So somewhere in there, I got a few minutes, and I looked on Instagram, and I start seeing these New Year's posts. Here's my word for the year. Here is my scripture for the year. Here's my theme for the year. Here's my phrase for the year. And they're all so excited and really like, man, this is so awesome. This is the God gave me this word for the year. And I was like, I got nothing. <laughs> I, got, I don't even have a letter for the year. You know, I don't have, I don't have anything. I don't even have like a Christian sounding phrase I could like throw up there to like trick everybody into thinking I have something for the year. I just don't have the energy for it. I have nothing for the year. And you guys, I don't have a bullet journal. (laughs) I do not have a bullet journal to journal all of my stuff for the year and plan and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's not all fancy. I don't have anything to set my course. I'm just too tired. I'm feeling behind. I'm feeling discouraged. Has anybody felt that way a little bit, right? So I didn't leave 2017 on a good note. And then it got worse. Uh, The ricocheting cold begins again. How many of you know when you have a year old that's got a cold, it's not a small deal. You're up with them for several hours in the night and they're crying all the time and they're blah, snotty everywhere. Um, So Noah gets it, then Faith gets it, and then Darren gets the flu. Except it's not the flu. It's pneumonia. And it's severe. So then literally for 10 days, my husband is laid out in bed, weak, can't move, And so I, and you know, the flu is like killing people this year. And so I'm like, none of us can get the flu and pneumonia, you know, like that, that there's complications. And so I, I'm, he, I could, I had to sleep in my son's room and I was trying to take care of him, but keep everybody else from getting sick. And then I was doing it all on my own um, because he was in sick. So I'm taking care of sick baby. I still I'm struggling from not having a single moment to breathe myself since December 1st, but here I am carrying the load of everything, and then the house we rent out, the heater goes out, and all sorts of, you know, things start happening that Darren usually does that I'm taking care of. And then I'm up every night with Destiny, who wants to be awake from 4 to 6 because she had a cold. One morning, I'm on the phone with a pediatrician desperately setting up flu shots, because we didn't have it done for my kids. And I look, and my dog has peed. And I start wiping it up, and I start crying on the phone to the receptionist. And then Destiny runs over and slips, and she starts crying. And I'm like, and then I'm I'm crying, and Destiny's crying. And I'm like, I'm sorry, just hold on. And my kids are like, Mom, you know, like, it's okay, Mom. You know, that is not the position you want to be in with your kids, but that is seriously where it's been. And then one day... I feel a pressure in my chest, and it feels like something fills it up, and my heart starts beating erratically, and I feel like I'm going to faint. And it was terrifying. 
terrifying. And all I could do was go upstairs and sit on my floor in my master bedroom where my husband was laid out and couldn't help me if anything happened. But I thought, if I faint or have a heart attack or a stroke right now, maybe he could get the energy to call 911 or something. So I'm just sitting there, and I've got the tingles like I'm going to faint, and my heart doesn't feel right, and I can't make it stop. I can't control that feeling, and I don't know what's happening. I I honestly don't know if I was going to have a heart attack or what was going to happen. And then when I finally feel somewhat okay, I stand up. Destiny wakes up from her nap. Since she has a cold, she's crying. So then I've just got to get right back into my day after having a terrifying encounter. That I, you know, We're still trying to figure out if it was physiological or if it was a, like a panic attack or an anxiety attack because I've been on like 100 miles an hour since December 1st and with a, so much hardship and hard work. But here's the thing. In October 2017, God had already told me what I was going to talk about today. And he already knew I was going to need to hear this word today. And what you guys need to hear today as we start the new year. And it's this. Even if you don't have a word or scripture for the year. Nothing journaled, minimal time spent with God because... Your life is like spun. Your life is spiraling or you're maybe feeling some emptiness or some worry. You matter. You matter. You matter to God. My life matters to him. And he's with me in it even when it's messy. Even when things get hard. Even when you feel like a failure. Even when I'm on empty, rocking a baby at 3 a.m., and I feel like he doesn't see me. Even when everybody seems to have it figured out, and you feel like you're straggling behind, you matter. I matter to God. That's a big deal. Whether or not you feel ready to tackle anything in 2018, even if your life is falling apart at the seams, You are important, and you matter. You matter to God. He sees you. And that's what he's desperate for all of you women to know this morning. He sees you, and you matter to him. You are lovable, valuable, worthy of receiving good things from him. Even if your Instagram or Facebook doesn't look perfect like someone else's, or there are dishes in your sink, or your apartment isn't clean. Has anybody here ever been convinced that you are the only woman in your circle of friends that will have laundry piled up like this high somewhere in your house? Like you feel like I'm sure nobody ever lets their laundry get this high because when I go to their houses, I don't see it. I I have to be the only person in all my friends that lets laundry get out of control because, you know, you have three baskets, if you have baskets, because mine, usually I just pull it out of the dryer and throw it in the hallway, load after load, and then it just piles up until I can, like, sift through it or start folding something. But I've come to the conclusion that even if I'm the only woman in the entire world, like, the entire world, 
that has a, a pile of laundry in my house. Big whoop. <laughs> like for real. Big whoop. So I have laundry in my house. I have a pile of laundry in my house. Uh, how, how, why am I going to let that stress me out that I have a pile of laundry in my house? So say it with me. Big whoop. Big whoop. Okay? You haven't showered in three days? <laughs> Let's be real. It might be five days. You know what? Big whoop. Put on a little spray of perfume, right? A little extra deodorant. Put your hair in a bun. Big whoop. Don't stress out about it. You can't afford to wear all the latest stuff that everybody at work or at school is wearing, and you always feel like, oh, they're so put together. You know what? Big whoop. Rock your TJ Maxx, Maxinista. Just go. Just, just big whoop. You haven't brushed your teeth in the morning. In three days. Because it feels like you get out of bed and step on the treadmill that's set to nine, and you're like, zing, and you just go, right? You know what? Big whoop. Piece of gum. Nobody's going to know but your dentist. If, you know, you keep doing it. You can't, like, big whoop. Uh, uh, or my house is in foreclosure. Big whoop. You know, you can't, you can't do that. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that it would really help us to be able to just big whoop. When I was getting prayed for earlier, I forgot a prop that I had my husband go buy for today. And I'm like, oh my God, big whoop. Big whoop, right? That is my phrase for 2018. Big whoop. I'm going to get a necklace. I'm going to get the key. Big whoop. That is going to, because you know what? I would be so less stressed if I could just say big whoop to a lot more things than I do right now. So I'm going to, we're going to hashtag big whoop B&B. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, those things that you go, that's so stressed. You know what? Big whoop. I want you to take a picture of it or whatever. You got to work and your shoes don't match. You know what? (laughs) Big whoop. Your Christmas decorations are still up. Take a picture. Big whoop. You know what? They'll get put away. Leave the red ones up for Valentine's Day. You know? I mean, it's fine. Jesus loves you all year round. If he, baby Jesus is there, that's good. That's fine. But I want you to, when you see that laundry or the dishes in the sink or those Christmas decorations or those files you still haven't put away or the Lego pieces that have been on your counter for six months that you're just about to throw away but you never do because you're not sure if your kids need them, take a picture, big whoop, big whoop. Because really life is so much bigger than some of these things that we let weigh on us. Sometimes we look at our disorganized lives and feel small and insignificant, like, like we don't matter. Um, and I'm here to tell you this morning, you're not insignificant. You're not insignificant. All of your hard work matters. You matter. Every woman in here is like spiritual dynamite in God's hands. Like in his hands, he can do so much with you. And for those of you who think you are this morning, you are not a failure Somebody here, like, literally has had that thought. I I just feel like a failure. Well, I'm here to say this morning, God says, no, you are not a failure. And you are not insignificant. Because you matter to him, your life matters to him. Your hopes matter to him. Your fears matter to him. 
The mountains that you're facing matter. Your dreams matter. The things that you want to see happen in your life, they matter. And they don't matter more to him when you're 100% like in the word every day and going to church and you're all frothy about your faith. They don't matter to him more then. They just, they matter all the time. No matter where you're at, you matter. And those things matter. So this is what God wants to say to you this morning. No matter what the world tells you, no matter what society tells you, no matter what men have told you, you matter to me. That is from the Lord for you guys this morning. But it can be so easy to feel like we don't matter. Especially, I think, as women. We can, we can feel like we don't matter in our circles and in the global circles created by social media. There are so many mixed messages about what we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be as women, right? You have to be thin, you have to have big lips, like you can suck on a cup to make your lips bigger, all this kind of weird stuff, contour with like eight different colors and get it so you look like a completely different person, but above all, you have to look young. That's the big thing. You want to be gentle and feminine, right? But also be like this kick-butt CEO and dress awesome in like pencil skirts like all the like cop shows and lawyer shows. You're supposed to look like that. (laughs) Do find a husband. It's a good thing. But don't rely on any man, right? It's like, oh, oh, okay. Be the girl next door eating pizza and sloppy burgers, but also look like a fitness model. Do you remember the Carl's Jr.'s ads? This is how me and my best friend eat burgers, you know? We're like, no, you take a bite, you know? And when I go on vacation with my family, this is how I am on the beach. Look how mad. She's so mad because they won't let her eat a bite of that burger. They're like, oh, no, not till we get the shot, you know? Like, this is the message that has been sent out. Be the girl next door. We want to see you eat all that. Don't you see salad? Oh, but be a size zero and be topless on the beach eating that burger. It's like, that that doesn't work. And by the way, Carl's Jr., I was going to show the ad, but I, I ran out of time. They're changing their whole ad campaign. And now the ad campaign is that Carl Sr. comes back to his office, and Carl Jr., who's like this frat kid that has been marketing to young frat guys using all these women, he's mad, and he throws everybody out, and he's like, this is not what we want. We don't want to do this. We don't want to demoralize women. We want to talk about our product and our meat and everything. It's a, it's a really funny ad if you get a chance to see it. I just looked it up on YouTube. Um, because they realized if we want to open up our demographic past like college guys, we can't like you know, shove aside half of the population and objectify them. Who knew? Because women's like, women like burgers, you know? We don't do it like that, but... So, so the world, with social media and TV and magazines and movies, it gives us a distorted picture of who we're supposed to be as women. Um, and I know that it's not right, and I know that it's not, God, it's not God's vision for me, but we can beat ourselves up in little and big ways for not measuring up. Do you know that there are women on Instagram whose accounts have tens of thousands of followers and their account is simply pictures of them and their families um, usually posed or staged um, perfectly set into the squares of Instagram. 
Why would 80,000 people follow an account that has pictures of a woman and her family that they don't know? And they're all perfect pictures. Thousands of women will follow these accounts so they can see every time a new picture is posted. A perfectly lit and staged picture. What does it say about us that we're so consumed with someone else's perfection or someone else's life, and what is that doing for us? We will spend hours on Facebook or Instagram looking at someone else's kids on the couch, someone else's husband kissing them under the mistletoe, someone else's family playing a game that's actually an advertisement, and the post was sponsored by the manufacturer of that game. And they're like, okay, kids, everybody sit around the game and look like you're having fun. Click, upload. And we're like, oh, look at that family. It looks so perfect. So this is not our Christmas tree. It's kind of bright. This, this, this woman has 10,500 followers. And I, I, there's nothing, a lot of these women are like full-on believers. They love the Lord. But it's all perfect pictures of her and her family. And her house is perfectly clean. Over 10,000 followers. Um, This is not my husband and I on Christmas morning. (laughs) She has over 20,000 followers that follow each picture that comes up and they're all, they just look like the perfect everything. So if your life is less than perfect in any way and you follow that feed, all you're getting is my life isn't that, my life isn't that, my life isn't that. This is not how my counters look when I'm making cookies. Okay. There is nothing on the counter, especially holding a baby, making cookies, right? It would be like a disaster zone. She has 156,000 followers, and it's all her outfits and her family and pictures of her. And, um, you know, there's another one that had 2.8 million followers, Savannah, uh, Sav, now it's LeBron, whatever, Savannah, and she has 2.8 billion followers, and it's all pictures of her and her daughter and her husband. And in half of them, he's like, you know, kissing her with her leg up and everything. And they love the Lord, they're Christian, but why are 2.8 million people so consumed and so obsessed with following their lives and seeing these people that they don't know in their perfect day-to-day squares? I don't have an answer to that. Um, But I do know it can make us feel really bad about our own lives (laughs) and about our own clothes and our own bedroom that does not look like the bedroom that is pictured. Ikea recalled all of our furniture and came and took it all in my bedroom, and my husband went to Lowe's and got these tubs that all of our clothes are in, and that was like eight months ago. So we are still living out of these, you know, my my bedroom is nothing like the pictures that I see. Big whoop, right? Big whoop. It has a bed in it. Thank you, God, for our house. Big whoop. doesn't look like the pictures on there. But we compare, we can't help it, and then our expectations for life are set so high that we can only see where we are failing. And there are some of these accounts where they're open about the hard stuff of life. I do know one of the women personally, and she has like thousands of followers, but she will say, this picture looks perfect, but this is what's really going on in my life right now. And I appreciate that so much, and I think all of the followers breathe a collective sigh of relief that even this woman that looks like she has it all together and has everything also sometimes has problems, like the rest of us. Um, I think we often make the mistake of making complete strangers our plumb line for success and happiness. Um, In construction, and I had a plumb line that my husband bought from Lowe's. See? (laughs) 
and I didn't bring it. Thank you. If you can't see it, then there's something wrong. Um, and it's actually, it's about this long. It has a point at the bottom, and it comes with string. And so when you hang it, the weight of it makes it go straight up and down, okay? And so he's using it to build his building that's called a plumb line. And in construction, it tests if what is erected is perpendicular to the square, so if it's perfectly straight up and down. If it's upright, it provides a standard against which one can measure what's being built. So you line up the wall to the line, and then you know that it's perfectly up and down. And I think that's a perfect picture of kind of how we need to measure if we're lining up to who God has called us to be, not somebody else, right? Who he's building you to be, personally, one-on-one. And if we're doing what we've been created to do, nothing more and nothing less, just what he needs us to do. If God held up a plumb line to like, this is who I need you to be, how would you fare? Are you trying everything to be the you that you is, you know, pursuing God for who do you want me to be, Lord? Are you trying hard to be somebody else? Be like somebody else? We're sometimes so eager to get to the, the bigger and the better or what she's doing that we get lost in, you know, like, we, we stop thinking about what am I supposed to be doing right now? Who am I supposed to be? We're not called to measure up to any person or any worldly ideal of value. We're called to measure up to the simple calling and purpose God has placed on your life and on my life. Just what he has for me, right? With his plumb line. I only need to be me and do what I feel like he's asking me to do, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter how seemingly insignificant, that's all I need to put my hand to. That's what I feel like he's asking me to do. This, this word insignificant means too small or unimportant to be worth consideration. And I think sometimes we feel like maybe what we're doing is insignificant. I'm sure the mom packing lunch for her son one morning like she did every day felt like she, she, it was insignificant. A couple fish, a couple loaves of bread, packed for her son to go off and listen to the rabbi, right? Maybe she felt like she didn't matter, the mundane of packing her son a lunch. Or the woman going about the insignificant task of getting water from the well for her very broken and dysfunctional home. Or the fisherman throwing his net into the water, into the sea, as he'd done a million times, seemingly insignificant until those insignificant things encountered Jesus and then they were no longer insignificant never underestimate even the insignificant things God has you doing I'm going to read Ephesians 2 8 through 10 out of my dad's old Bible Um, this is the Bible that I happen to be reading when I, came, when I came across this verse, I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. But I liked, it's like the paraphrased living Bible. So it's like really readable. But I really, I really liked it. Because of his kindness, you have been saved through trusting Jesus. 
And even trusting isn't of yourselves. It too is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done, so none of us can take any credit for it. It is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. That sounds, you know, God made us what we are and gave us new lives. That sounds pretty significant, that God made you. In the NASB, verse 10 says this, We are his workmanship. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I'm going to break this down. We are his workmanship. The stress in the Greek here is on the first word in the clause, and in the Greek, the first word is his. And the emphasis is that it is God, not the readers, who has made them what they are as believers. God has made you, ladies, and he is making you who you are. It's him. The Greek word for workmanship is poema. It's where we get the English word poem and poetry. Poema means something made. And in context, it's something made by God himself. So C.S. Lewis once said, we are a divine work of art by God. So you could say, you ladies, are poetry in motion. Poetry in motion. That's like, what, from the 80s? I'm not old. Whatever. We are God's poem. One translation even calls us his masterpiece. Not humanity as a whole, but you and 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 you. You are his poem, his masterpiece. And he has prepared good works for you to do side by side with his spirit. And this word works isn't just evangelism. It isn't just doing spiritual stuff. This word works is anything accomplished by hand, art, industry, or mind. An act, a deed, a thing done. So it's good deeds at work, in your home, within your family. It's all, it, can, it can cover so many things of just these, these works or deeds that he has laid out for you to do. And God's preparation of these things precedes the foundation of the world. Some scholars believed that he created the works and the deeds and then created the believers and raised them up for those works. Like that's how long some of the things he wants to have done have been planned from the beginning. Like you were handpicked for some of the things he has you doing or who will be having you do. So God has made you a masterpiece and has planned good things for you to do. You're important to his plan, okay? And he doesn't just come up with a task here or there on the fly. He he has tasks specifically for you that he prepared beforehand. So it's like, okay, beforehand. What does that even mean? Before what? when, When was that? Well... 
And you're going to have to stick with me here because this gets kind of deep. In Genesis 2, verse 3, after God has created the world and all that's in it, he blesses the seventh day and sanctifies it because in it he rested from all his work, all he had created and made. And the word all, just it really literally means all. He rested from all of his work. So God created the foundations of the world, and then he rested from his work. And part of that work was preparing your works, was preparing the things that he was going to need you to do and ask you to do. And after he prepared important, needed, good things for you to do, he rested. He rested. So in Hebrews 4, Paul tells the Hebrews that they can actually enter that rest. That rest where God rested on the seventh day. He actually says, you guys can enter that very rest with God. And he quotes part of Psalm 95, referring to the Israelites in the desert that were complaining and grumbling and everything. Verse 7, today, and this today is important because Paul uses it to say, today you can enter that rest. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who err in their heart and they don't know my ways. Therefore I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not enter my rest. And Paul goes on to tell the Hebrews that there is a rest we can enter in today. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. The rest of God on that seventh day when his work was complete. And honestly, when I was studying this and I read that, I'm like, that sounds awesome. Just like in a hammock with God, you know. He's resting from all of his work and you are just got reggae playing. You know, it's really relaxing like you're on a beach or whatever. I guess that's how I picture resting with God. I don't know. So you are in that rest. So follow me here. At the same time God founded the world, he was preparing things for you to do. We got that, right? And he was making you his masterpiece, his creation, to do those things. So you guys with me so far? God prepared all of these things beforehand when he was founding the world, and then he rested. Okay? He spoke forth your life, all his plans for it, and then he rested. Well, that means you can rest too. If God planned it all out and and laid out your life and things for you to do and the plans for your life and he was able to take a rest, then you can rest too because you can rest in knowing that he rested after doing it all. Like He was like, It's good. I'm done. And he could rest. You can enter into that same rest knowing he's got it. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's coming. He knows what he's required of me. It's it's in his hands. Psalm 139 says that you are wonderfully made and that your life was written out in God's book before you were even born. He chose you. And no matter the mistakes you've made or you make, he still chooses you. 
You are his possession and his child. Let that be your plumb line for value. Okay? What does the Bible say about you? Not TV, not your enemies, not your ex-husband, or maybe your current husband or boyfriend. Not social media, but what does Scripture say? What does Scripture say about you? It says you're Jesus' friend. It says you're a daughter of God. It says you're accepted by Jesus. It says you're free from sin and death. You're a new creation, chosen, holy, blameless, more than a conqueror. You're a victor. You're loved. You're redeemed. You're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You have access to the throne of God. You have been made complete in Christ, and you're a citizen of heaven. How's that for a plumb line, right? All the other worldly stuff, big whoop. Big whoop. I don't line up with what the world says I should be, big whoop, because I want to line up with who God says I am, right? You matter. So we need to line up our value with the word and not the world. And in many ways, we've gotten that flip-flopped. But to do that, we must know the word, right? We have to be reading our Bibles. We have to be reading our Bibles. But it's easier said than done. I mean, for real, coming from me, and I'm a preacher. It's easier said than done. Okay, tell me if anyone else is like me. You're like, okay, I'm just going to sit in God's presence and I'm going to read, and he can fill me up. I'm just going to sit in God's presence with a blanket, and I'm going to read, and he can fill me up. I'm just going to sit in his presence with a blanket and lay my head on his lap, and he can fill me up. I'm just going to take a nap in his presence, and he can fill me up. You know, I mean, I can go from being refreshed to sleep in like three minutes. I mean, it's like you start and then you're like, oh, that pillow looks comfortable. You know, um, that's for real. That's, that's, that's a real, that's not fiction. That has actually happened. Um, so, but the reality is we need to be tethered to the one true definition of who we are and who we've been created to be. And that's only going to come. That's only going to come from spending time with God. That's only going to come from talking to him. That's only going to come from spending time reading the word. That's the only place we're going to get the redefine, just completely defining us in the correct way, with the correct plumb line, in worship, in prayer, in the word. And it's a struggle, honestly, for me, with three kids and homeschooling and everything. Um, In full transparency, many times I find time for Instagram in my off time when I just don't want to think, but I don't find time for the Bible. I don't find time to read that. And then I'm not rooted. When something hits me, my identity and everything isn't rooted, and I'm just like, I can't take it because I haven't been rooted in the Word. I've been looking at a plumb line that's like this, and like, you know, is that what I'm supposed to be? It's like, no, no, I need to do this. So, you guys, I have a challenge, and I really want you ladies to do this with me. It's for all of us. We can't get on social media or the internet for news without reading our Bibles first. Now, if you have to go to work and be on, get, check your email and stuff, that's fine. I'm talking about social media where that's where, that's where we've been getting our plumb line for who we should be, Right? 
So just read your, just, just read your Bible and talk to God first. Sit down. If you could take 10 minutes, awesome. If you can take longer, that's amazing. But, I mean, just spend some time with him. And the other day, I didn't get on my Instagram till 8 o'clock that night. And I, I, I don't have it on my phone. I have it on my iPad, but I will check it all the time. And it's like, I, I can't check it. I haven't spent any time with the Lord. I haven't checked in with him. This way we can line our minds up with the word before it gets infected by the world. The fear of news or the things coming across our feed on Facebook or whatever. And it's going to be hard. Some of you, the first thing you do in the morning is reach for your phone and check your social media accounts, right? That's just on your nightstand. Um, I don't recommend using the Bible app because then you get, oh, Facebook post, oh, notification, and you're like, oh, but let's put a pin in Ephesians, and I'm just going to come right back to that, you know? Um, so um, we have to retrain ourselves um, to put that second. My husband and I were at the airport in Florida, and I saw this book, Too Blessed to be Stressed, Three-Minute Devotions for Women. I can pretty, if, you, if you're just a three-minute devotion each day, you might still stay a little bit stressed. Like, is that, can we do better than the expectation? They're like, you're so busy working and on social media and with your family and all your soccer and all your jobs that you don't have time for the Bible. We get that. How about three minutes? What have we come to? What have we come to? Three minutes, right, is all they expect. I think we can do better than that. But then my husband's all, well, look what they expect for men. One minute prayers for men. <laughs> they, like, lowered the bar. Men, you don't even... You, you just need 60 seconds with the Lord and you can lead your family and lead your business and be a good dad and be a good... It's like, what? No. We laugh so hard at that. So is there anybody here that is brave and willing enough to try this challenge with me? Okay. So... I want to hear how it goes for you guys. So if you do post anything on Instagram or Facebook, just hashtag CFBNB. But not until you can't do that until you've read your Bible. Right? Right? So we can kind of be encouraging each other and see what we're doing. Um, and I'm also going to have a little healthy competition. A little healthy competition. Um, keep track of how many days you can go in a row. And if you fall, you get back up and you do it again. Keep track. Over the sixth month, how many days you go in a row, and whoever goes the most days in a row, you'll get a prize at the next B&B. Okay? In a row. Like, I went two days, and then I just... So, it's like, it's retraining. It's going to take some time. So, that's your challenge. I'm going to close with this last thought. I think an important step to freedom from getting down on ourselves for not being perfect or whatever, is acknowledging that we aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Big whoop. I'm not supposed to be perfect, right? We aren't perfect. We're never going to be perfect, and we don't have to be perfect. Nobody's asking us to be perfect except for ourselves, okay? That's why Jesus came, because we aren't perfect. He came to make up for our lack, because he knew You could never be perfect, but you're still his masterpiece. You're still his masterpiece.
If we can get as our starting place, God, I'm broken. I'm broken, and I'm not going to get things right. But I know that your spirit's in me, and you're still going to use me, and you're going to help me, and you're going to be with me. You're not going to leave me. And um, I'm going to do my best to follow you and do what you put in front of me to do. You're going to use me anyway because I matter to your plan and I matter to you. If that can be our starting place, we can get somewhere. I'm broken and I think that's amazing because it sure takes the pressure off when I can start out going, I am broken. You guys, the last two, a couple of months really were horrible. I didn't read my Bible. I was stressed out. I wasn't doing Christian things with the kids and doing all this stuff. No, I was just a mess. And I felt like such a failure. And then it's like, wait, I'm, I'm supposed to be broken. I'm a human. I don't have to be perfect and have it all together. What a relief. I'm flawed and he's going to help me and use me even if I'm flawed because that's who he is. There's a song right now. I think it's Matt Redman, Gracefully Broken. And I've, I wanted somebody to sing it here, but, um, and I'm not going to. But uh, the, the, the main thing is, here I am, God, arms wide open, pouring out my life, gracefully broken. It's like, I'm broken, Lord, but I'm going to pour it all out for you, and you just use, you use me. Um, and he says, you will fulfill your purpose for me. If you can, listen to that song. Because no matter how broken I am or you are, he's going to fulfill his purposes for you. He's going to stick with it. God is our all-knowing Father in heaven who envisions what we will be like when it's all said and done. Um, I'm going to close in prayer, and there's a couple things that I'm going to specifically pray about. I had a dream while I was preparing for this last month that I was standing there and a boy, um, probably junior high age, dumped a trash can of trash all over me. And I was embarrassed, and I was ashamed. And I tried to dial, I wanted justice, and I wanted to fix it, and I was trying to dial 911 on my phone, and my phone wasn't working, and then I was trying to get somebody else to help me and dial 911 to somehow do something and and fix this. Um, But they couldn't fix it. And I feel like someone here has had a bunch of verbal trash dumped on you. You feel like you can't get out from under it. And maybe it was something said to you when you were in junior high. I know someone who was called turkey neck in junior high, and she's 60 and won't wear her hair in a bun because of what a junior high boy said. Maybe it was something said last week, and you just don't feel like you can fix it, and the people around you can't fix it, but God can fix it. And so I'm going to pray for that. And secondly, um, this anxiety. I know I'm not the only one that has anxiety, and I'm, I think that might have been an anxiety attack that I had. Um, and I know that there are others that have that. And so I just want to pray for that as well. Okay? <laughs> and somebody wrote on the bottom of my notes, ask women to take food home. So <laughs> take food home. Okay, I'm going to pray. <sighs> God, we really do come to you as your daughters, um, gracefully broken. We're your poems, but sometimes we don't rhyme, we don't make sense, 
We're like a broken haiku, you know, but we're going to come to you gracefully broken and pour out our lives and say, use us, Lord. Heal us where we need healing. Help us to line up with the plumb line that you have next to us for who we're meant to be, what we're meant to be doing. Give us vision and clarity on who we are. Heal us, Lord. Heal us from the things that others have spoken over us. I pray for the women here that are living under the garbage of what someone else has said over them, the negative things that they have spoken over them that they can't get out from underneath, from their childhood or even now. I just speak freedom out. I declare freedom in Jesus' name from the verbal just abuse and trash that some of these women have dealt with and we say no way we ask God that you would redefine these women you would renew their minds you would push out Holy Spirit push out the trash just the demonic stuff the things that has been spoken over them that are lies and um, slanderous and I pray God since you gave me that dream I know that your Holy Spirit is here to bring healing and refreshment to the minds of these women. And I pray that they would start to walk in a confidence and an assurance of who you say that they are and not care about who somebody else said that they were, the things that they spoke against them. So I pray for redefinitions to happen this morning, to redefine who we are, that we are purposed and called and significant and loved and we matter and we are a masterpiece and a poem. And God, I pray for uh, women who struggle with anxiety, and I, and I put myself in that group, Lord, and I ask for healing. I ask for your peace that passes all understanding to completely obliterate anxiety in Jesus' name. I just rebuke a spirit of anxiety in Jesus' name and of any sort of panic in Jesus' name, and I ask, Lord, for just healing and strength and peace and joy and life to flood our bodies. I don't want to go through life like this. And so help us, Lord, to say big whoop a lot more, to line ourselves up with your plumb line and not the world's plumb line, and to just try to be who you're asking us to be and pour our lives out before you, um, gracefully broken. I just bless you, Father. I, so I love how you love your daughters. And I, I, um, I know that you're going to do such a mighty work with all of these women. And I pray for healing in hurting hearts and um, confidence in, in minds that haven't felt confidence that you would um, build them up um, as they pour themselves out. Thank you, Lord. Amen.